Good morning. Merry Christmas. It is December 26th, 2023. My voice is hoarse <laughs> from uh, the sinus issues I talked about in my live stream yesterday. Um, turns out I have did not recover from that cold that I thought I had, and it turned worse. So trying to uh, take care of my voice with uh, the help of some bone broth here. Um, no, this is not merchandise to sell on my channel, by the way. My wife had one of these made up for me. That is Hilaire Belloc in sunglasses, like my channel logo with my channel name on it. She had it made up for me as a Christmas gift. So uh, I've got bone broth here to help with the throat. Um, the hot fluid tends to really help, and bone broth is super nutritious anyway. But Merry Christmas to you for those of you joining us now. And we are going to talk to you today about some unique seasons greetings we got from those who should know better in the church. Let's, though, first check in with Pack a Papa Francis for some words of Christ Christmas wisdom. He was giving his uh, Christmas address. This one was the, this is from his Christmas at night address, the Christmas vigil, where he said, quote, how deeply ingrained is the worldly notion of a distant, domineering, rigid, and powerful deity who helps his own to prevail against others. But that is not the case. Our God was born for all during a census of the whole earth. End quote. Now, certainly, Christ was born and endured his passion for the salvation of all mankind who open themselves up to the graces that he offers them, not just those people he dwelt with, but to dismiss notion of God as being rigid is, of course, an error. We speak of the law of the God, of God, of the laws of nature. We talk about God being the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Laws are, by definition, rigid. Christ upheld those laws. He gave us moral commandments. He called people to repentance. And yes, Christ does help us to overcome others. Though those others he helps us to overcome are typically the princes and principalities of the devil and of the devil's earthly servants. Speaking of the devil's earthly servants, let's talk about the main story, the priest in this story today. So we go to Sky News for this one. Um, again, Sky News, a secular outlet in, uh, out of Australia, I believe. So their headline is, Italy, church nativity scene featuring two mothers of Jesus sparks accusation of blasphemy. It's not an accusation, it is, but okay. More than 21,000 people have signed a petition calling on a bishop to intervene in the row after the church of Saints Peter and Paul in the Alviano hamlet of Capostello de Mercogliano, apologies for my bad Latin, features what appears to be two mothers rather than just Mary and Joseph. This news came on the 23rd of December, late in the day in the United Kingdom. Uh, I want to point out something here about the uh, timing of this. This is, um, of course, uniquely Bergolian timing. The, there is really no good justification for what we're seeing here. This is the justification you're going to hear from this priest is, of course, the result of Francis's efforts to offer blessings for those who the church can't really bless and for things the church cannot bless. And here he's going to cite that for you. And I've got a picture on screen here for you that I'll talk about here after we go over the story a little bit. But here's here the here's the meat and potatoes of the story. Quote, an online petition calling on the bishop in the province of Avellino to intervene has attracted more than 21,000 signatures. It claimed the scene contradicted the Catholic Church's teachings about the family and legitimized uh, James Martin pairings in the James Martin crowd's practice of hiring others to carry their kids. 
but the priests at the Church of Saints Peter and Paul in the Avellino hamlet of Capostello de Mercliano, east of Naples, has defended, it defended its depiction of Jesus' birth. I wanted to show with this scene that families are no longer just the traditional ones, Father Vitaliano della Sella said. In our parishes, we see more and more children from the new types of families that exist and are part of our society. Children with separated and divorced people, James Martin Parings, single people, young mothers. Mother Della Sala, who is known in Italy for expressing sympathy for the James Martin crowd and left-wing causes, has insisted his attitude is similar to that of Pope Francis, who in a landmark ruling this week allowed priests to bless double S couples, and mostly quote. So here, I'm going to focus on this here for you. That's the picture. I want to make sure you can see that well. Yeah, that's the picture. And um, there's a few things to notice. We have the uh, ro- the multicolored veil being by, worn by the other female there. I don't even know what her name is. We also have in the image um, how uh, St. Joseph has been removed, basically, to make room for whoever she is. Unless the priest is, you know... <laughs> Got his arm around the shoulder in a sort of a triumphal pose, and the same multicolored scarf that the uh, that he is wearing. It's the same kind of thing. That is not a coincidence. And this weird display is under the altar and tabernacle. That is the altar right there, and there is a tabernacle there. The altar. This is at the foot of the altar. Now think about that for a second. The this is this is very symbolic of the being at the foot of the cross. This is at the foot of the altar. And of course, this is in the same, which places it in the sanctuary next to the ambo. You can see kind of the edge of the ambo right there. This is in the par- this is in the parish proper. This is not in some side room. You can tell by the marble flooring. You can tell by the by the Cramner table altar, and you can tell by the ambo that this is actually in the parish proper. So yes, this is what we're talking about here, folks. Um, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we did see it elsewhere in Italy, a similar kind of story, which is, and for whatever reason in Italy right now, they're apparently deciding they don't uh, like to honor our Lord, even on his own birth. But because of reasons of sensitivity, they, uh, kids in, in, in schools there were asked to remove all references to Jesus and his angels from a traditional Italian Christmas hymns. From one news site, we get the story, quote, the episode took place in a primary school in the municipality of Anya, where fundamental changes were made to the lyrics of a song for the annual Christmas party. Instead of, quote, Jesus will soon be born, the children had to sing, Cuckoo is made from above. And furthermore, the passage where the angels prepared Jesus's birth was replaced with all together prepare a feast in the blue sky. With these changes, the school reportedly wanted to show consideration for the feelings of non-Christian children and parents, end quote. So yes, they removed Jesus from hymns celebrating the birth, his birth for a festival or his own birth. And they did it for sensitivity. They did it to make people feel included. That's what we're talking about here. More of that is coming, I assure you. And if you're wondering what that what the odor of that is that you might be smelling, that's a general smell of apostasy. This is why I have a video later in the week coming from that will probably be on um friday or saturday but it's uh with the help of a patron of the channel i who is uh 
very well read on Malachi Martin's works. So I bring in the next installment of what Malachi Martin talked about here. He's talking about Vatican II as the sort of impetus for apostasy in the church. And at least according to him, where he will be able to answer for you whether or not the most recent attempt to consecrate that country was valid or not. That's what we'll be talking about. Preview, of course, is that it wasn't because it was, according to him, they were only asked to consecrate one country and one country specifically, and they didn't do it. That's why it didn't work. But we'll go into that. But what you're smelling is apostasy. And the This apostasy is meant to align the church with the values of the world. Tina in the chat says, false compassion is uh, nonsense. Yes. Yes, it is. Lynn Waite says, this is definitely diabolical, meaning the nativity and that's that him. Yes, it is. Remember, we are now at the end of the month, approaching the end of a month, which means we will have an opportunity here, not this weekend, but the next to begin the five first Saturdays devotion, if you so choose. The first Saturday's devotion is critical. We are asked by Our Lady of Fatima to make do do acts of reparation for the sins committed against her immaculate heart. I guarantee you implying or just saying depicting her as part of the James Martin crowd would it definitely requires reparation. So if you're going, if you're inclined to do that, if you've been meaning to keep the, the first Saturday devotion, now is the time. I am going to keep this one pretty short today because of my voice. You can hear it in my voice. I know I've been recording and editing videos all morning since before the stream. And you can hear my voice is just gone. It's hence the bone broth in the not something I'm making as a branded item to sell on my channel. I mean, if people really want me to, I guess I could. But this is just, you know, something my wife had made up for me for Christmas, trying to heal my voice. But I have for you, as a palate cleanser, something, they message, I'll go do that. And I will just probably have it tomorrow for everybody. The same way I do this one. So we wait for this one to process. And there it is. All right. So here is Archbishop Vigano's Christmas message. Today's solemnity is a fulfillment of the promises that the Lord has made to his people. Promises contained in the ancient prophecies, beginning with that of the Proto-Evangelium, in which the blessed seed of the woman is mentioned as the conqueror of the cursed seed of the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your lineage and her lineage, and he will bruise your head and you will bruise her heel. A child is born to us. A son has been given to us. On his shoulders is power, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. At the Mass in Nocte, the Introit shows a generation of the Son of God from the Father in the eternity of time. That eternity contemplated in the night, whose silence invokes the mystery of God, comes down from heaven with the incarnation of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity in the history of the human race. Here, then, is the mass at dawn that pierces the darkness of sin in which humanity finds itself. A light will shine upon us today because the Lord is born for us. Then, with the later mass, the Savior's humanity is shown. Because a child is born to us, a, si a son is given to us. On his shoulders is the sign of sovereignty, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Pierre says scripture, Pierre does not mean child, but also servant, because it is in obedience to the Father, that the Son agrees to strip himself of his divinity. Taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men, he appeared in human form. That, for us, th thus expresses the purpose of the incarnation and passion of the Lord. Promise to our first parents to redeem their descendants, who had fallen through sin, a promise that was fulfilled with the coming of the into the world, of the eternal word of the Father. 
We understand well why the wisdom of Holy Church makes us kneel every time we remember the ineffable mystery of divine charity. The word became flesh. If we think of these words, we cannot help but be dazzled, contemplating the infinite goodness of God in the face of our unworthiness and misery. But even more dazzling than the light that illuminates the darkness of the holy night, holy because it marks the entry of man, God, into history and into the world, is the light that illuminated the night of Holy Saturday, when the body of Jesus Christ rose from the dead, triumphing over the enemy of the human race and fulfilling the ancient promise contained in the sacred scriptures. In the silence of eternity, the, ge the eternal generation of the Son from the Father is accomplished. In silence, the incarnation was accomplished, after the fiat of Mary Most Holy. In the silence of the cave of Bethlehem, the Redeemer is born. In the silence of the tomb, he rises. And in the silence of holy sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus Christ, according to the words of the priest, descends every day on the altar to make himself the food and drink of salvation. He came down from heaven for us men and for our salvation. The Lord was not only born for us, but he gave himself to us and in our place. As the first fruits of the human race, he wanted to die in obedience to the decrees of the Eternal Father, to redeem us from the infinite sin with which Adam and Eve were stained, and from all the sins committed by all men of all times. In fact, only God could make reparation for that infinite offense against God. Only a man could make reparation in the name of men. This is the reason for the incarnation of God. When we contemplate the child Jesus lying in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, we must understand that the pure, in the double sense of child and servant, begins his passion on the prickly straw of the crib, in the cold of the night on December 25th. You who are the greater of the world, let clothes and fire, O my Lord, exclaims St. Alphonsus in the hymn we all know. You come down from the stars. How much more this poverty enchants me, for love has made you now become poor. For this reason, popular piety, instructed by solid doctrine, shows us the image of the child sleeping lying on the cross. For this reason, in medieval depictions we see, standing near the cave, the cross of Golgotha. Why do you suffer so much? For my sake. Why is the nativity so dear to us? Why has the nativity scene always been present as a symbol of Christmas? Is it because we see the Holy Family represented in it? or because of the evocative setting of the shepherds, the magi, the ox, and the donkey. That nativity scene, which devotion has kept intact over the centuries, is so dear to us, because in we find our redemption per sanguinum eius, proclaimed, and we yearn to see that pure, the one announced by the prophets, the awaited, the desired of all peoples, who comes into the world for us, and to give everything for us, and to make reparation for the eternal condemnation that we have brought upon ourselves by disobeying God. Jesus Christ is born to give all, and he calls our hearts, if only we dared to think about it truly and not superficially, to fix our eyes on the child who has not had time to be born and already suffers in his most holy flesh, and above all prepares to suffer the torments of the passion of which we, ungrateful creatures, are the cause. Jesus was born poor. Poor not due to an imposed and unwanted lack, but rather due to that total deprivation that leads God himself, the word of God, to annul himself. Exinaninvich says St. Paul, to lower himself, to renounce the perfect glory of heaven in order to become flesh, the word who becomes flesh. And he assumes that flesh, that divine body, by virtue of the hypostatic union, to suffer, to struggle, to give all, to allow himself to be scourged, crowned with thorns, wounded, insulted, spat, spat upon, and finally ended by us to bring us to our back to our destiny of eternal bliss, which we had all tasted in the earthly paradise in which we lost, yielding to the temptation of the serpent, a temptation that was clearly a deception. You will be like gods. We were already secret dia, 
immortal and perfect, without disease, without difficulty in learning, without being subject to the passions. We lived in the Garden of Eden in God's presence and needed nothing, because the magnificence of our Creator provided for everything. Yet we preferred to believe Satan's lies and disobey God, who had given us everything. Well, all that we had received freely was incomparably surpassed by the gift of himself that God wanted to make in response to our ingratitude, the gift of himself in the incarnation and in the redemption, so that our infinite offense he has indeed driven us out of earthly paradise, but he has also given us his Son to make reparation for our sins, with a generosity and goodness that only God can show. O Felix Culpa! The Nativity scene speaks to us of this infinite love, which God fulfills by following a divine pedagogy. He gives himself to us, something that we cannot even comprehend in all its ineffable greatness, but always asks for our cooperation, not because he needs it, but because he wants our nothingness to be associated with his everything, to elevate, ennoble, and sanctify it. The Lord asked permission from the Virgin to incarnate himself in her womb, and in view of her fiat, he preserved her from sin. He can give us everything, even to the point of giving us himself, as long as we too respond to this infinite love, the love of perfect charity, with the only thing that we can give back with our whole being, supernatural love. And like the Father who gives his Son the money with which to buy him a Christmas present, just as the King in the parable gives the gifts, the guests the garment with which to present themselves at the wedding, so the Lord goes so far as to give us a supernatural grace with which to reciprocate his love. When we listen to the words of divine wisdom, he who exalts himself will be humbled, and who he who humbles himself will be exalted. We must hear them addressed to us not only as a warning to recognize our nothingness in order to be filled with the whole that the Lord gives us, but also as a prophetic sign of divine love that humbles itself and as an inescapable punishment for Satan's pride. Hatred of Christ, the cornerstone of stumbling block against which his enemies crash, is motivated precisely by the inability due to pride to understand the mystery of charity that leads God to become man, the Lord to become a servant, or at least bow down in adoration before this charity which is God. Deus caritas est. And as St. John admonishes, he who does not love does not know God. The inability to love and to allow ourselves to be loved is in the end what carved out the abyss between God's infinite charity and our wretched pride, which makes us reject both the Lord's love for us and the love that he inspires toward himself in our sick hearts through grace. It is charity that burns away our sins, purifies our souls, raises us to the heights of holiness, making us truly like God, while love for ourselves, for the seductions of the world, and for the pleasures of the flesh plunges us into the only abyss from which not even the omnipotence of the Lord can snatch us, because it turns us, the world and the devil, into our idols, the false gods who can give us nothing but condemnation. We must understand the infernal deception that the devil sets for us every time he tempts us into thinking that he can free us from Christ and his law. The more we rise up believing ourselves to be free to think, act, and speak as we wish, the more our souls entangled by the chains that prevent it from ascending to God. The more we fill ourselves with ourselves, the less room we leave for grace. Instead, we must listen to that divine word who first gave us the example of humility and obedience to the point of becoming man and giving all for us. God, who needs nothing, makes himself in need of everything, so that we who are in need of everything can find in him what no creature, not even the angels, dare to hope for. Let us look at the nativity scene, then, and in it let us contemplate with emotion the humility of the virgin whom the Trinity wanted to become the mother of God. Let us look at the humility of St. Joseph, the silent and strong guardian of the divine family. Let us look at the humility of the angels, who, unlike the rebellious spirits, sing the Gloria over that poor cave where... In humility, the promised Messiah is born. 
Let us look at the humility of the shepherds, at their simple gifts, at their pure faith, and at the fact that material poverty has not prevented them from recognizing the only treasure that deserves to be jealously guarded, that son of Joseph of the royal tribe of David, who with the cry of a little child bursts into the darkness of the world to bring light to it, to be the true and only light himself. As Simeon will say in a few days, Lumen ad revelation gentium et gloria plebis tua. And so may it be. And that was Archbishop Vigano, his Christmas message. Um, if there are any questions in the chat, this is where I'll take them because uh, I'm going to be wrapping up here soon. Got a lot more work to do this morning, including some post-Christmas cleanup still. <laughs> um, I hope everybody's Christmas was good, by the way. That, again, that remember, Christmas is a season, not a day. We have several days of Christmas ahead of us still, so enjoy the season. Don't be afraid to have your Christmas music of any kind that you like and your decorations up and your Christmas prayers and all the rest of it. Christmas is a season, not a day. The world is moving on already to uh, get ready to celebrate the secular liturgical feast of the new year, which will probably be followed by, I think, if I know the secular can calendar at all, the secular feast of the, um, well, what's the next one? The Super Bowl, I think, is the one after that. So everybody remember Christmas is a season and focus on that. How was my Christmas? It was good. It was good. You know, my kids had a, you know, enjoyed Christmas as they always do, as kids are all want to do. But otherwise, after we got home from mass, we had a pretty quiet day at home, which was nice. <laughs> Any news of Vatican reaction to the bishops? Nothing other than what, what, uh, what uh, Cardinal Fernandez said. He tried to uh, dance around the thing in an interview with Pillar, as I covered a couple of days ago, but it didn't. All he did was reconfirm everything we've been saying. Vatican, if they're going to respond, they're going to respond soon, though. Okay, folks. I thank you all very much for joining us for this stream today. And remember always to uh, pray for everybody we talked about today. Uh, don't let any of this kind of news stir up negative th things inside of you. Uh, when you start having, um, uh, if you have start having uncharitable thoughts towards those we talk about, man, make sure to say a prayer for them. You may be doing them a great act of charity by doing so. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>